Welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Christine Beatty. I'm the director at the Madison Senior Center, and my co-producer is Tom Frazier. Good friend to all. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. How are you, Tom? I'm good. Great. And we've got Thank a wonderful you. guest today, yes, um, a rotary pal of mine, uh, Dr. Brian Fick. And uh, Brian is uh, involved with the First Choice Dental Group, which has uh, nine locations and soon to have two more. That's I hear. That's right, How Christine. exciting. Very exciting. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Um, I was mentioning that uh, recently I got, a, I think, a, a sort of a, a semi-annual publication from the American Society on Aging, and the entire issue was about uh, oral health and how important uh, dental health is to older adults. So... Um, it's great that you can come and just talk a little bit about this whole idea of how your mouth and your dental health impacts the rest of your health in so many ways. Sure, sure. Um, I'm, I'm uh, pretty thankful for the opportunity to come in today for one. Uh, I think that, um, you know, we started learning more and more about this in the 60s and 70s, but things really kind of, I think, opened up in the late 90s when a lot of research came out linking uh, long-term chronic gum problems, mm -hmm. which you get from just not having your teeth cleaned often enough mm -hmm. and food being kind of stuck underneath. Uh, when the food sticks underneath, you get bacteria living there, and that causes uh, kind of a heightened immune response. And that immune response sort of degenerates the bone, and when the bone degenerates, the teeth fall out. And so that led to dentures in the 50s and 60s. But in the 90s, what we realized is not only is all that going on, but some of these bacterial toxins and so forth are the same type of toxins that have been um, found to contribute to heart problems. So long-term chronic gum disease, not just losing your teeth, but can also contribute to a, a much increased risk for heart attack. Mm -hmm. uh, new research is even showing some linkage between uh, this type of problem and, and diabetes as well. So, um, yeah, definitely we, um, we think of our mouths as being a kind of an isolated thing and our teeth being isolated, but uh, there is absolutely a continuity between that and uh, overall health. Um, that's very convincing now. Yeah. Um, and Tom and I were talking about the fact that Medicare does not pay for dental services. Medicaid doesn't? Well, they'll pay for some, but... Uh Minimal. Well, the providers don't want to participate, so yeah. it's hard to get a provider. But, yeah. but you know, that's another story. So yeah. It, it is, but I, I think it's really frustrating for older people who probably would like to take yeah. care of their teeth yeah. but are maybe at issue in trying to find ways to do that. Um, I think our, our point here is how important it is. Um, you know, the, the idea of losing your teeth, what does that cause um, yeah what, well, what happens then right if you you know as you lose your teeth you masticate more poorly and there is some research that shows that as you masticate more poorly you're, you're unable to break food up into small mm -hmm. uh, morsels mm -hmm. and then as you as these pieces go down your um, digestive tract and so forth if they're larger pieces they they're uh, absorbed less well and um, so those those are definitely issues in terms of some of the digestive challenges that older folks might have if they're not able to crush food. Uh, one of the ways in which um, dentistry has changed a lot, again, over the last 15 years maybe, is just the um, very, very successful uh, dental implant solution 
modality which allows us to really either replace single teeth in a very successful way or now um, maybe if, a, if a, uh, a patient does have a denture, maybe placing a couple implants that allow the denture to be attached without adhesives and also to be able to use much more uh, thin and smaller dentures which are less clunky and less of a, of a, of a challenge for, for older folks to use. Um, when you're chewing and crushing with a denture, you really, if you would chew on one side, it would come off on the other side. There were just a lot of problems. You couldn't eat anything that was remotely hard. Right. And if you eat an entirely soft diet, that's not so great for your digestive tract either. So a lot of things that have improved by us being able to have one or two or three or four implants, having the denture attached, and then when you're biting down on one side, it stays, you know, yeah. rigid. Plus, you have the emotional security that if you laugh, it's going to stay put. And, yeah. and so there are um, implants have changed a lot of um, patients' ability to function after lost teeth, mm -hmm. and that function directly uh, is connected to digestive health. And mm -hmm. yeah. 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 there's nothing um, to to lose. To lose the enjoyment of eating would be a great loss for anyone. Many, many studies show that patients, not patients, human beings say that, you know, it's one of the most, eating is one of the most enjoyable things that we all exactly. do. And uh, very, very tied to well-being and emotional well-being and, mm -hmm. and personal satisfaction with life. So Sociability. Absolutely. Around food, always. Uh, uh, yes. You know, family um, get-togethers. I mean, it's all, everything is it's, around meals. You know, <laughs> so we, we do value that for sure. We, we basically need people to understand that if they have dental problems, they got a lot of other problems. They can. Or potentially. Yeah. Potentially. A lot they, of yeah. problems and a lot of big health problems. Yeah. If, if they're, you know, going through a few years and they're feeling like they've had a, a loose tooth for several years, I mean, a loose tooth just isn't a loose tooth. I mean, if it's a loose tooth, it probably doesn't have very good bony support. And that might mean that you've got some gum disease, which could be uh, making you at risk for heart problems. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a bigger... It's, it's a bigger story. Bigger story. And that's why we're here and you're here. Um, you were mentioning also um, this idea that the dentures are attached. And I heard at one point that when the dentures weren't attached, that the jaw uh, bone actually shrinks sometimes. Yeah. And so that's why dentures sometimes are so loose yeah. for some uh, people. Right. There's a, there's a, this might get too deep. You cut me <laughs> off. There's, okay. a, there's, a, there's a ligament around the tooth. And as you move the tooth a little bit, you're always, as you go through life, you're always laying bone down and taking bone away. So it's a dynamic process. Okay. And when you lose those teeth and it just becomes a ridge, and then you put a denture on that and hammer on it, the bone melts away because it doesn't have that tooth ligament to sort of build, oh, subtract, build, okay. subtract. That Good. dynamic quality goes away. Mm -hmm. And then when you push down on this denture, your jawbone does melt away. And that's why uh, patients that had dentures, had their teeth taken out when they were 30, had dentures for 40 years back in the early part of the 20th century, you know, had almost no, you know, right. it was really, um, really advanced stages of bony loss. loss. Uh, now, with the dental implants, even though they don't have a ligament there, if you place them, the, 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 the bone might drop away a tiny bit in between the implants, mm -hmm. but right where the implant is, it stays um, in place, in place um, better. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it does slow the process for sure of bony loss. Yeah. So it sounds like just major technological improvements in 
in dental care. Vast, yes. Just in the last, what did you say, 10, 15 Well, years? I think implants have probably been around 30 years, um, but I would say it's maybe been uh, the last 15 where it's gone from something that was um, slightly more esoteric and quite costly to something that has come into the range of you know uh, accessibility for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Now, having said, the implants are still costly. Very. So we've got something definitely uh, a ways to go to make them, uh, but they're being placed. Are dentures the, less costly? I think dentures <laughs> are probably about the same. Okay. Um, so they're both costly. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, the other issue that I think we should talk about is pain. Um, the way in which um, people used to be um, treated in dentistry was was pretty brutal, and now we have all of these ways to make it pain, painless, in, yeah. in essence. I mean, when I go to the dentist, they numb the gum before they put a shot in to numb my mouth. Right. And, I mean, th right. there is, it really is no pain dentistry these days. Um, the anesthetics that we use now... Uh, are, are different, have different chemistries that allow the solutions to penetrate the bone. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the, the wool blanket of insulation of, of the anesthetic is uh, vastly improved in terms of penetration and comprehensiveness. Sure. And root canals got a, 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 a miserable reputation in the 1950s because uh, anesthetic was not so hot. Mm -hmm. And nowadays it's like a, it's a, it's a very routine procedure. Um, anesthetics are so strong and the, the technologies of the process are so fast that um, very, very successful. Right, and, and they even wear off faster. Used to be that if you had any kind of dental work, you would have a half a day where your mouth would be all huge or feel that way. Now it, it, it seems to dissipate more quickly, too. Part of that might be, too, is that this, some of these stronger ones were able to use right at the tooth source. And when they were weaker, we would generally, even in the 80s when I started school, we would generally do more of a regional block. Ah, okay. Because we, would, we couldn't penetrate it locally, so we do a regional block, which was very successful, but blocked the whole side of the face, face yeah. as opposed to one tooth, which made it probably feel longer and more arduous. Right, right. So, um, right. yeah, it's... Um, so if, if someone hasn't had any work done on their teeth for um, 20 years... Um, they're fearful about going in. I mean, the pain, the cost, uh, you know, the time commitment. Time commitment. Access, um, uh, traveling to the dentist, even for seniors, maybe difficult. Of, yeah. All of those tend to be barriers for mm -hmm. people to get their teeth um, uh, repaired or fixed, and it's such a crucial issue. Um, are, you had talked about the connection uh, about sleep apnea with. The dental health. I'm curious about that. Would you share that with us, too? Sure. Uh, you know, there are, there are I, I feel like personally that, you know, one of the largest uh, areas of medicine that's really exploding uh, is, is this idea of research about sleep apnea and all the ways in which um, lack of oxygenation of your brain while you sleep causes problems, but also just in which um, it sort of disturbs your natural sleep rhythms and the cycles that you go through. Uh, and I think it's important that um, for some, this, uh, CPAP, which is a, a very successful medical modality for treating patients, but some people just don't like to sleep with a mask or they don't want to carry it around. I think it's important that people know that um, 
there is another uh, very successful treatment, um, dental devices that can be made for the patient's mouth in which uh, a sort of a plastic sleeve fits on the lower teeth and the upper teeth and keeps the jaw forward. And that stabilizes the risk of airway collapse or their jaw falling back and not being able to breathe well. Mm -hmm. So if they've had a CPAP or they don't like the CPAP, there are other options. Mm -hmm. And um, there's even a third option that's kind of interesting now. It doesn't have so much to do with dentistry, but they're now experimenting with little um, nerve stimulators that they can embed and it's attached to the hypoglossal nerve. So it just slowly teases the hypoglossal nerve, which opens the airway. So it's, it's wow. kind of, it's, it sounds quite, yeah. it's almost like a little like a pacemaker maybe kind of idea. But in this case, it sends a little charge to the hypoglossal nerve, which is a, so it's a funny nerve because it doesn't have sensory mm -hmm. input. So you can stimulate it without it hurting. Ah, nice. And it just opens the airway and keeps it going. So sure. there are other options coming down the road besides um, just the CPAP, and, and the dental device is a great one, too. Yeah. And, and you were talking about that um, the sleep apnea and the obstruction of leads to other kinds of health issues, too. You know, more and more we find out that we're dealing with a holistic system here. I, 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 there is a ton of dental and medical integration. There always really, frankly, should have been, but because medicine is practiced in clinics and hospitals and dentistry was always done in small facilities, mm -hmm. there was just kind of this physical break and it was kind of an artificial barrier really. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, you know, obviously medical research and dental research you know, really knits the two together. So it's important to understand that one affects the other absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So just to conclude, mm -hmm. somebody thinks they've got a problem or they know they've got a problem, what's your advice to them, particularly an older person? You know, we do, at first just we do lots and lots of free consultations. So I mean, um, we, uh, oh, so a free consultation. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, yeah. Come in and find out. In other sure, words. sure. Come yeah. in and find yeah. out. Yeah. We right. can always talk to them a little bit, see yeah. what their needs are. If they have goals, it doesn't have to be something where they feel like, you know, there's a major obligation right away and we yeah. can just figure out. What's um, a good plan? What's a good plan, absolutely. And, and you're doing a plan that's not going to only take care of the dental health, but your overall health as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Brian, thank you for coming absolutely, and talking Christine. to us about Thanks for the future me. of dental. I mean, all yeah. of a sudden, scientific, uh, science fiction, doesn't it? it does. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. We'll see you in a moment. Welcome back to Senior Beat. We have a wonderful guest, uh, Tom, um, Sherry Gray Dorn, uh, hyphenated name, so I have to <laughs> can think about it a little bit. And Sherry, I'm not sure I know your title. I'm the elder. I'm 
worked out what my title is. Yeah. I'm the Adult Protective Services Supervisor in Dane County. That's right. Yep. Good. Yeah, this is a, kind of a tough topic to talk about, elder abuse. Um, um, and, you know, I, I'd like to believe that there isn't much elder abuse um, but I know that the statistics are showing us differently, aren't they? That is true. And first, I think we should talk about what is elder abuse. Oh, okay. So elder abuse is any form of mistreatment that results in harm or loss to an individual over the age of 60. Um, it could be in the form of self-neglect, neglect, financial exploitation, physical abuse, emotional abuse, or sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the prevalence, um, in Dane County in 2015, we saw 460 cases, um, but it's it's believed that um, in the United States in that same year, there are over 5 million older adults that um, oh, were wow. um, victims of abuse and or neglect. That gives us a real and uh, sense of the That's soul. the reporting. That's the reporting. And, and right. Right. So research, in, right, exactly. So research, research indicates that um, one, I have to look at my notes, that one out of every 10 people who are over the age of 60 and live in their home have been the victim of abuse, neglect, or uh, financial exploitation, but only one in 23 of those cases are actually being reported. So yeah. we're missing ha at least half the individuals that are out there. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times it's relatives and right. people they know, right? Right. It's, you know, it's, it's sad, but it's usually the ones who love you the most are the ones who hurt you the most, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes uh, older people may not have um, additional options for their living circumstances. Right. They were, they're relying on the individual and, you know, they're concerned that if they report that they might have to go and, and move, they might have to go to assisted living or a skilled nursing facility and they want to stay in their home. So they're willing to put up with the abuse or the neglect um, so that they can continue to stay where they sure. are. Sure. And, and they have that option, too, don't they? They do. We really believe in self-determination in Dane County. Um, if an individual has capacity, um, they get to decide what they want to do. You know, we can offer services and provide them with information so if they ever feel like, okay, I'm ready to take the next step. But it really is their decision to make as long as they have capacity to make that decision. Yeah, I always thought that was so unusual, but, it, it, you know, that, that if you report the abuse, you could still decide to stay in that situation. Right. And that uh, seems unusual to me because I know that if you're dealing with child abuse, it's much different circumstance. Definitely. Yeah. You know, but, you know, um, all of us have, are allowed to live our lives how we want to live them. And whether it's, you know, um, not having enough food or, um, you know, not being able to get out and be as social as we want, we get to make that decision mm -hmm. and others might... Mm -hmm not agree with you, but it's your, your decision to make. Right. And it, what about self-neglect? That's one that's hard. Um, I know our circumstances where neighbors have noticed that kind of circumstance uh, and have been concerned. Yeah, self-neglect is actually one of the highest reported um, reports of um, abuse that we see. Mm -hmm. um, and they are tricky, you know, because a person might be living in squalor or, you know, in a hoarded environment, or they might be diabetic and the doctors really think that they should be taking medication, but they're, they're choosing not to or be on oxygen and they're like, well, I prefer to smoke, you know, and as long as, like I said, capacity is really mm -hmm. um, important, as long as the individual has capacity, they get to decide the pros and cons and 
and, and making that decision. Right. Our services are voluntary, you know, so we offer ideas, offer suggestions, offer resources, um, try to get them connected with the focal point senior centers mm -hmm. um, in the area. But in the end, they get to determine what, you know, what fork in the road they're going to make. Right. And we have a state law that elder abuse reporting, right? It requires somebody at the county, right, to to report and they keep statistics. But but there's really no state money to do anything, is there? Not so much. There, it's actually a limited mandatory reporting act. Okay. So if you see someone in your professional duties, and the person is in agreement with the with the um, report being made then you can report. There's lots of, you know, ands or buts and stuff, so it's not as pervasive. It's not as crystal clear as, like, the child abuse mm -hmm. reporting laws. Mm -hmm. um, it's very, yeah, it's very, it's a limited mandatory reporting right. law. And there isn't a lot of funding um, for it. So, you know, if an individual is in a situation and wants to leave, there's not a lot of money to help support the person to, to move. You know, we mm -hmm. look at, you know, family and friends and neighbors, and if there's a church group or what have you that's a, that the individual is with, um, but yeah, in terms of funding to help the individual, you know, in child abuse, there's foster homes and things like that um, where you can put a person in. We don't really have have that as well as a person can choose not to leave that situation right. too. Um, it it is interesting though that that a lot of times older people who who might also be isolated in a certain way, may not know of services that could be brought into right. the home that might mitigate right. some of the tension in the home or some of the issues that are right. there. Um, I'm thinking about the senior coalitions in Madison who can be uh, very helpful with transportation, yeah. socialization, right. uh, helping with benefits, and maybe bringing yeah. some more. Right, the companion yep. program, the chore program. Right, all have. of those can yeah. be of great support, not only to the older person, but, but to the caregiver. Right, to the whole family. Family, yeah, the whole I mean, it might change the dynamic of exactly. that circumstance. It can relieve the stress and yeah. give them a break. Right, yeah. and I know there are caregiver support programs, too, yeah. um, that could be offered. Right. Um, financial abuse is one that's ugly. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I was thinking that's sort of, this, to me, the saddest because so many times... It's not discovered until all the money's gone. Gone. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to get money out and, of the rock. And it's hard <laughs> to get it back. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You know, because, again, a lot of times it's grandkids, kids, right. you know, relatives who's taken it and they've spent it and it's all gone. It's gone. Yeah. So, uh, and that is the second um, area that we oh, see okay. the most, that we see with um, elder abuse. And, and it is, like you said, um, the money's usually gone. Um, you know, we can try and get law enforcement involved to get it back and stuff like that, but once the money's gone, it's gone. So we have been fortunate that we've been able to find some of the money. If some, you know, um, law enforcement's been able to do a good job with investigation some of those cases and mm -hmm. recover some. Mm -hmm. um, but usually then, you know, unfortunately then the person might have to um, become, you know, apply to the ADRC to be on aid and, you yes. know, those All kind of things. things. Now, yeah. are the banks helpful yeah. in the, those the kind of circumstances? The banks actually in Dane County have been wonderful. We actually have a really good working relationship yeah. with the banks. So if they notice things, yep. they might let you yep. know? Yep, they, they call and they report their concerns. Because um, they would be the people that would yep. see, see the money being no. taken out in yeah. the 
different pattern. Right? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because if you think about it, most of us bank at the same bank for many, many, many years. And yeah, so the banks, yeah. they see like a change in the pattern. You know, all of a sudden it went from like $700 a month being withdrawn to, you know, you know, four or $5,000. And if it goes on for a couple of months, yeah, they're, the banks here in Dane County are really, really That's um, That's aware of the issue and concerned and talk to that actually. They talk to the individual and see if they can help out at all and they make reports to us right. to see if we can go and provide in-home services to yeah. you know the in-home conversation to see if services can be provided. That's great because if someone were monitoring that money or helping with that right. um, there's a, a volunteer guardianship program that uh, we had on our program one time that I think does a lot to help people to just keep track of their money and make sure it's being handled appropriately. Yeah, so Medicine Coalition for the Elderly has a volunteer guardianship and representative payee program. Yes. And so they're able to provide that assistance because sometimes you, you need just a little bit of help writing your bills or just managing your money and yeah. so they can do that. Yes. Yeah. And um, a lot of the um, the idea that um, uh, that you're just going to turn over your accounts to someone else, you really still need to be involved mm -hmm. and still be checking on that. I know exactly. when my father-in-law lived with us, I would do his accounts for him, but we would I'd make a point of sitting down with him and saying, and "Here, Dad, about it. this is what we did this yeah. month." You know, and I think that's important for yeah. people to and ask for that if right. they're not getting that. I think it also empowers the individual that they can trust and they're still part of the team. Right. You know, it's not just you doing it. I'm still helping out. I, right. I still have a role here, and right. I can still guide you a little bit. Can you tell us uh, some of the success? I mean, this is a very negative topic to talk about, elder abuse, but I, I hope you can share with us a story about something um, that's been very successful in your work uh, with older adults. Do you have a particular story of someone where you were very successful and you got them out of trouble? and? Well, we had an individual where her the tree um, actually fell on, onto her house, into her house, and um, she wanted to continue living in the situation. She raccoons became her pets and friends and <laughs> and everything. But with the family and us, you know, continuously saying, you know, it could be better. You don't have to have the rain dripping on your head. And I know that this is your house and you've had it for 30 years. Um, there can be something better. And it took some time and um, a good working relationship. But yeah, she eventually moved to a little apartment. And she's like, wow, I should have done this, you know, probably like five years ago. Yeah. Um, so little things like that, just getting the partnership, getting that trust, getting that relationship. Yeah. And we do have really good services in Dane County through the ADRC and with the focal points that we can work all sure. together. Collaboratively. I, I've forgotten to ask you about contact information yeah. for your office. Would you give us a phone number or whatever information? Yeah, so our hotline number is 608-261-9933. Great, yeah. good. It's so important to so be able to... somebody wants to report abuse, that's yep. the number they would call. Definitely. In Dane County. In Dane County. Yeah. And, yeah. and what about the person who reports? What is their responsibility, or do they have to give information about themselves, or can it be anonymous? Or it can be anonymous. We prefer to know the who the individual is and have that contact individual because we might want to call them once the case is assigned for investigation. We might want to call them and ask follow-up questions. You know, we went out and saw this individual, and we saw this, and has, is this a new issue, a new concern? Um, but they definitely can be anonymous, and the statute protects their identity. So we can never give out that information to um, the alleged victim. Right. Um, so even if you were to 
beg me, let, you know, tell me who this is, we're, we can't. Right. So that provides some autonomy to yes. those people. So right. people might be more uh, willing to call your number right. and to report something that they see that might be unusual. Right. And the, and the process is the report then would be um, investigated. Um, yeah, we also do consultations. When you call 608-261-9933, um, you'll get an LDP social worker actually on the line, and they'll, um, you can talk about the case and figure out, is this really a report that an investigation that's needed, or are you just wanting some more information about some senior services? And so, Good. you know, we can provide that. So not every call is a report. Right. Some is just providing some information. Yeah. Just to, the connection again, and that right. relationship of trust that you have with the person who's reporting, right. and also with the person who is a, a victim of elder right. abuse. And then they can, you know, take it back and try, and if it doesn't work out, they can call us back again, say, we tried this, we don't know you know, yeah. work. we don't know what else to do, and then we can take a report and um, right. determine Go if an there. investigation is Excellent. needed. I'm so glad that there is a program like that. I mean, uh, you know, you hate to even think about the scope of this kind of a problem, but given the statistics you've provided, yeah. we need a program. Yeah, we need more awareness of yeah. that the program yeah. exists. Thank you for being with us today, well, Sherry. Appreciate you coming today and filling us in on uh, this very important topic. Thank you for having me. Thanks for seeing us today, and welcome uh, back again another month to Senior Beat.